know how we did an entire episode two weeks ago with a guest host without making some sort of a joke about trading our host, me, right before the trade deadline, changing things up, uh, <laughs> all right, we missed that opportunity, but this week, oh yeah, this week we've got some trade deadline action for you, I am your favorite host, Jeff Besselman is back, and contrary to popular belief, I have not been traded for a churro dog, and this is Rounding Third, the only podcast in cyberspace who would learn of its own trade announcement mid-game and then stand in the field and cry. Leading off from there, the top story of the week, the crying. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, the crying. There were two, yeah, not one, but two Notable criers this week, and frankly, ah, both were kind of touching. The first one, the Boston Red Sox traded their Hawaiian former fan favorite, Shane Victorino, to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in exchange for infield prospect Josh Rutledge. And the real motivator? An opportunity to make space for their own prospect, Rusny Castillo who they signed to a $72.5 million contract last summer to take over in the outfield where Victorino previously played. To say Victorino got teary-eyed in his press conference would be the understatement of rounding third history. The guy full-on bald. The part of this story that I like the most, though, is a comment he made about a conversation he had with his wife. She asked him, But aren't you excited to be going from a team in last place to a team in first place? Like, aren't you looking forward to having another chance to win a World Series ring? So he thought about it for a moment and said, If there's two times in my life that has been the best of my life, it's when I won in 08 and in 13. There's nothing more that I want to do than win another ring. So, there you go. Shane... Going out with grace in the spirit of your own walk-up music. Every little thing is gonna be alright. No worries. And then there were the tears of the trade that never, ever was. You know what? I'm just gonna tell you this story chronologically. World, ladies and gentlemen of Rounding Third, meet Wilmer Flores. Might be single. Who knows? Infielder for the New York Mets. He's 23 and not very good at baseball. Poor, poor Wilmer Flores ambles up to the plate in the bottom of the seventh on Wednesday as the fans of City Field rise to their feet to cheer. Now, if Wilmer were, um, how do you say, good, this wouldn't be so unusual. But given that, according to BaseballReference.com, Wilmer Flores has all of 30 likes, this is not a common thing for Wilmer. In fact, he later said that the applause was a dead giveaway that something was horribly wrong. At this point, the broadcast booth says, And a nice big hand for Wilmer as he comes to bat. Most of these fans know that he's about to get traded. Social media being such these days, everybody knows what the situation is. Well, everybody, except, of course, Wilmer. Rumors had started to spread across social media that the New York Mets had traded Wilmer Flores to the Milwaukee Brewers 
the second worst team in baseball for Carlos Gomez, an outfielder who is slightly better than Flores, but the trade had not yet been confirmed. No one had told the Mets manager, and absolutely nobody had told Wilmer. Poor guy. So during this at-bat, the commentators start speculating if Wilmer knows he's in the last at-bat with the Mets, and they don't just speculate, but they do it in kind of a mocking way suggesting that the only reason he didn't swing at a bad pitch was because he's too depressed to try, meaning that when Wilmer is at his best, he's a loose cannon with no plate discipline. But um, he didn't know, which I guess means he has discipline, plate discipline after all. I don't know. At least not for sure until the top of the next inning. He found out in the clubhouse that he was on his way out and then took the field to play defense and stood there with tears streaming down his face. Rubbing his eyes, wiping his nose, the dude was a mess. The commentators naturally kept mocking him. Come on, New York, maybe we should lay off our own guys, perhaps, until the game was through. But here's the kicker. Today is August 2nd. The trade deadline has passed and Flores is still a Met. Apparently, the Mets backed out of the trade because Carlos Gomez has a bum hip and isn't worthy of playing for a serious playoff contender, which I guess is too bad for the Houston Astros as they picked him up from Milwaukee the very next day. Good luck, Houston. We do not have a problem. Our writers here at Rounding Third love being right or at least love to see some half-hearted guesses come true and claim they were right all along. So let's go back. Back on our May 17th episode, we did a story about Jonathan Papelbon, the Phillies' polarizing closer, and stated if Papelbon is traded or signs with a successful team in the offseason, then he should be able to keep climbing the leaderboard in career saves. Well, guess what? It looks like everyone got their wish. Phillies fans get their wish to get rid of Papelbon. Our writers get to see if he can indeed put up more stellar numbers on a team that doesn't suck. And the Nationals get a real closer to go with their rock-solid starting rotation already. And all of this is because the Phillies traded Pap to the Washington Nationals for a minor league arm and agreed to pay $4.5 million remaining on Papelbon's contract. God, if anything should cause you to cry in baseball, I would like to think it'd be having someone pay you to fuck off. The Nationals gain not only a vocal presence in the locker room, but also add a great closer to their back-end bullpen and a guy with tremendous playoff experience, including a Game 7 World Series save. And also, a guy who isn't afraid to have fried chicken delivered to the bullpen during games. No jest. So, how do we move on from fried chicken? Oh, yeah, 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 the Cincinnati Reds. No relation, but seems like a good transition. The Cincinnati Reds surprised people by becoming early sellers in this year's trade market. They dominated headlines with talks of trading big-time parts of their team like slugger Jay Bruce and flame-throwing, I don't know how catchers catch the ball, Eroldis Chapman. But those deals never quite materialized, 
as it was reported that the Reds had a very high asking prices for their talents. The pieces they did move, however, were mid-rotation starter Mike Leak and their ace starter Johnny Cueto, who will now presumably bring down the house with the Kansas City Royals. The trade nets the Royals another premier arm in their pitching-heavy team, while the Reds analysts and writers were mixed in their assessment of the three pitchers they received, worrying that they may not have the talent to stick in the rotation and will wind up as middle relief pitchers. But on the flip side, in unloading Cueto and Leak, they unloaded two players who were unlikely to resign after their contracts expire this winter. Might as well stock up now and get something for their worth. It should be fun to see if this trade ignites a resurgence in Cueto. While he did 20 games last year, the Reds have been an underperforming team, except somehow against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't understand. Uh, And he's been lost in the shuffle of more exciting teams and stories by the national media. Now that he's pitching America's darling Royals, eh, he just might get some of that more well-deserved attention and hopefully live up to expectations. The Blue Jays lead the majors in batting. They set an all-time record for the highest run differential through 100 games with plus 95. To put that into perspective, that's 25 wins over the next best team in history, which was the 1911 White Sox. So let me ask you this. Let me ask the Toronto Blue Jays this. Why are they in third place in the American League East as the Jays lead the league in runs with 543 runs scored through 103 games? The problem has been their pitching. The team has an ERA of 4.0, making them the eighth worst pitching team in the league. With the trade deadline looming, Toronto GM Alex Anthopoulos wanted to make a move for a starter to address this. While talking to the Tigers, he found the price is right. Trading top pitching prospect Daniel Norris, the only player in baseball who literally, and by choice, lives in a van. Along with two lefties to secure former Cy Young Award winner David Price, the true ace the Blue Jays have been lacking since trading away Roy Halladay in December 2009. So, even after the deal was signed, getting Price to Toronto has been difficult. With a blown tire on the drive from Detroit while in desperate need of a restroom, the pitcher found himself in a tight spot. After surviving that near-death experience, Price tweeted that all he wanted on arrival was a trash bag of popcorn waiting for me at my locker, which was something the Jays were easily happy to provide for their new star. Early suggestions are that Price could face the Yankees four times before the end of the regular season in vital games as the Jays look to pass the division-leading Yankees in the standings. With Price a free agent at the end of the year, Toronto has gone all-in on their push for the postseason, looking to play in October for the first time since their back-to-back titles in 92 and 93. In addition to acquiring Price, Anthopolis has not been shy about selling the farm at the trade deadline, with 11 minor leaguers being dealt away to bring in Colorado's perennial all-star Troy Tulowitzki, Colorado relief pitcher Latroy Hawkins, Mariners relief pitcher Mark Lowe, and Philly center fielder Ben Revere. With such a strong offense and glaring holes in the rotation and bullpen, 
The Toronto GM caught many people by surprise by starting his shopping spree with an offense upgrade at shortstop, bagging Tulowitzki from the Rockies. The deal did net the Jays an upgrade in the pen with Hawkins, but the shortstop swap was the headline with Reyes heading to Colorado. That is Jose Reyes heading to Colorado. Both shortstops will be stars for their new teams for several years, with Reyes potentially signed through 2018, while Tulowitzki Tulo, could be with the Jays until 2021. In his first game with the Jays, Tulowitzki hit a home run and two doubles. Welcome to Toronto. So to get the upgrade at short, the Jays had to give up three prospects, including the third best prospect in their system, righty Jeff Hoffman, a first-round pick last year, and Miguel Castro, who made the team out of spring training and picked up four saves in April before returning to the minors in May. Mark Lowe had been having a great season for the Manners with a 1.00 ERA in 36 innings out of the bullpen, so netted a good return of three minor league lefties from the Jays. Yeah, not bad. An outfielder was the only thing left on the Blue Jays' shopping list, and the Toronto GM delivered again, securing Revere from the Phillies for two more minor league arms. To add some depth to the depleted Toronto minor league system, Anthopolis also added pitchers Jabba Chamberlain and Canadian Philippe Almond in minor league deals. If the Blue Jays were still playing in October for the first time in over 20 years, this all-in tactic will have been well worth it. Lastly, and the biggest blockbuster trade of the season, the Houston Astros have asked Taylor Swift to trade the date of her Houston concert for fears that it may conflict with the postseason home game. Swift announced her tour dates last year, but cutely left the dates of her Houston show as tentative in the unlikely event that the team who finished last season with a 432 winning percentage should, uh, I don't know, not suck this year. The Twitterverse called this the joke of the year and teased both Swift and Houston for the overly optimistic caution. But now that the Astros are leading the National League West Division, it would seem that the Astros general manager, Jeff Lanau, called up T-Swizz and said, Hey, I don't know about you, but we're winning with Poo. Everything will be alright if you don't come in October. You know, I'm kind of like Zoe Deschanel. I'm actually a terrible singer, but the more I force you to listen to it, the more and more you crave it. Anyhow, guess what? That is our show for August 2nd, 2015. Can you believe we are already on episode 17? Cannot believe that we started this what felt like yesterday, and now here we are, episode 17, going strong. We are past the all-star break. We are on the home stretch Kind of. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think baseball season's like two-thirds of the way over. Anyways, folks, my name is Jeff Besselman. It is good to be back. There have been way too many hiatuses this month. The energy is ready. I am ready to bring you baseball facts and knowledge for the rest of the season. See you next week. Good night!
The Rounding Third Podcast is brought to you by writer and producer David A. Robbins. Production in our New York studio is directed by Maggie Robbins-Besselman. Contributing writers on this week's episode of Rounding Third were Clayton Lawson and Tom Smith. The Rounding Third theme song is used with permission from John Ross. Follow us on Twitter at RTPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rounding Third Pod, or email us at RoundingThirdPod at gmail.com. The Rounding Third Podcast is available in the iTunes Store. See our Facebook page for a link to subscribe. All materials published on the Rounding Third Podcast are subject to copyright, and all rights are reserved by the respective owners. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Jeff Besselman. Thank you for joining me, and oh yes, I'll look forward to filling your mind with more baseball facts next week.